Welcome to the Mark Driscoll Podcast. To find more Bible teaching from Pastor Mark, visit realfaith.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of Real Faith. And remember, it's all about Jesus. Pastor Mark, you should be ashamed of Christianity. Christianity has done such horrific evil in the world. You should be ashamed. Nah, nah, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of who Jesus is. I'm not ashamed of what Jesus does. I'm not ashamed of what Jesus says. If everybody else gets a pride hashtag in a parade, I am not going to repent of Jesus. I will preach repentance to all for Jesus. And some of you have been brainwashed and some of you are more inclined to think in a way that is rebellious. So let me just deal with that. Pastor Mark, what what about justice? What about justice? Okay, that's great. Thanks for bringing it up. Okay, let's just look at all of our options. Eastern religions, karma, you did something bad, you gotta come back and pay it off. You get the caste system, you get strong class warfare. Mercy ministry is impossible because if you're suffering, it's because you did something bad or wrong and if I help you, I'm messing up your karma. What about Islam? Women and men are not treated equal. Christians and Jews are called monkeys and pigs. We're all a bunch of infidels. Well, what about atheism? Well, let's just talk about that. In the 20th century alone, human beings killed 170 million other human beings. 130 million were by atheists. All the atheists lie when they say that all the wars and carnage is caused by religion. Stalin killed 40 million. Hitler killed 6 million Jews, plus 9 to 10 million more, including many Christians. Mao in China killed 70 million. And we aborted about a billion. Where do you get this sense of justice? Because if you don't believe that there is a lawgiver who rules over all, why are you upset and appealing to a law that you deny exists? If there's no one up there and there's no rules or laws governing us, why are you upset and what are you appealing to? Everybody who doesn't believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ and gets angry is a hypocrite. If there's nobody over us and no laws over us, what the heck are you appealing to with your frustration? Whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. So the second, so every recycling freak, and I'm for recycling, but there are people that like, you don't recycle, you're a terrible person and we're gonna need to report you and we're gonna need to put it on social media and shame you. You know what? I know the guy who made the planet. I really do like the planet. I know the guy who made the planet's gonna set the planet on fire. (laughs) And I know that when you stand before Jesus, heaven and hell are not decided by recycling and not recycling. (laughs) You don't stand before Jesus with your garbage can, open the lid and be like. (laughs) Now single people like to live and sleep together, right? And what, what are the arguments that they usually give to justify their behavior, even if they're Christians? Oh, financial, we, we, holiness is too expensive. We, we can't, we can't, we can't, it's cheaper to live together. It's cheaper to, it's a, it's a better deal. You know what? Sleep in your car. All right? 
And ma'am, if you are marrying a guy who doesn't have enough money to live somewhere, maybe you should marry a different guy with a job. or at least a friend who would let him stay at their house. If you have a guy who has no money and no friends, that might not be the first round draft pick for a husband. <laughs> okay, what, what are the other reasons or excuses that we give single people? I'm just a 50 year old dad, I can do this all day, okay? <laughs> so what are the other reasons? What? We're gonna get married anyway. We're, we're gonna get married. There was a guy one time, went into a Walmart, grabbed a TV and just walked out the door without buying it. When the security guard stopped him, what he said was, I was gonna come back and buy it later, okay? <laughs> You're stealing, that's not yours. We're gonna get, well then get married. Then get married. Well, a pastor won't marry us. Well, then don't get married. Yeah. What, what are the other reasons we give? We're married in God's eyes. No, you're not. I've seen his eyes. He's not even blinking. They're flaming red. He's got the full on angry dad look. That's his daughter. He's ticked. But we're gonna try getting married. We're gonna try getting married. Let me just tell you this. A spouse is not like a car. You don't need to go for a test drive. See, I, I had a friend in college, I know that's shocking. Um, I had a friend in college, he never even kissed his wife until their wedding day. And I'll never forget, he told us the story at the State University in a communication class in front of a bunch of frat guys. Immediately, when the teacher's like, any questions after that presentation? Oh yeah, the frat guys had questions. One of the frat guys asked, he said, well, how do you know if your wife is gonna be any good in bed? He said, if I've never even touched another girl, how would I know she's bad? Bazinga, drop the mic, cowabunga, shazam. See, we all agree that some intolerance is necessary and good. And what has happened is that the dictionary definition of intolerance and tolerance has changed. Tolerance used to be, I think you're wrong, but I'm gonna let you think what you think. And now tolerance is, you're not right or wrong. I'm not right or wrong. I celebrate you, you celebrate me. That's why there's so much pressure today. Unless I celebrate and support you, I'm intolerant. Unless I use your hashtag and march in your parade, I'm intolerant. And my point would simply be, if you're so insecure in your beliefs that you need my approval, you should reconsider your convictions. You can Google me. I'm not very well liked in certain circles. And I don't care because ultimately all I care about is what God says at the end, not what anyone says along the way, okay? I'll never forget some years ago when we used to go places, um, I went to a bookstore when they used to exist and I walked in and I'll never forget, I saw this big section, it had a big sign and it was self help. And I remember chuckling thinking, I need way more help than that. <laughs> How many of you have tried self-help and what you've realized is you have a self problem, <laughs> right? Let me say this, all the problems in your life, there's only one person who's part of every problem. It's you, you're the problem, not the solution. You need help, it ain't self-help. How many of you have realized this? How many of you wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, good thing you're here. <laughs> 
we have a God-sized problem. We need God-sized help. Jesus is not dead, he's alive. The grave does not get the final word, the son of God does. All of the prophecies, all of the promises about everything that Jesus would be and do were all fulfilled for me and you. So here's what I don't want you to do, this. I don't want you to do that. If you don't read the word of God, you're doing that. If you don't believe the word of God, you're doing that. If you're not trusting the word of God, you're doing that. I love you. Jesus loves you. He's taking care of our biggest problem. He will forgive you and help you with all of your other problems. But at the end of the day, you will just be blind walking around in darkness if you don't spend time opening the word of God. I believe in human life and flourishing. I do not believe that social Marxism will deliver on what it promises. I do not believe that it will bless people everywhere it has been tried. It is a failed experiment based upon communistic, atheistic idolatry and ideology. Oh, so you're a racist. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay, let me just read me a little first, Peter. Try again. Okay, what I think would be helpful is if we could invest our time and energy in men to love their wives and kids, to bless and not burden them, to strengthen the family, which is the foundation of society. Yeah. Oh, you believe in men and women. <laughs> you believe in men, you're those two bathroom people. <sighs> you're binary. You're binary. You're very binary. And you, you believe that marriage is for a man and a woman. You're a homophobe and a bigot. And you're like, okay, well, let me write this down. The list is getting long here, okay. <laughs> no, I still think that it would be good that the men who are causing the problems by not loving wives and providing for children, I think it would be good if we got men to have the father heart of God. That's because you're a patriarchal chauvinist who believes in gender and traditional marriage and that's why you're a bigot. No, actually, I, I want all life to flourish, including the unborn. Oh, you're anti-choice, anti-woman and sexist. Okay, wait, the list, let me get another sheet of paper here. Okay, let me write down all the things I am, okay. Well, here's what I, I don't believe. I don't believe that the ideology that is apart from the word of God actually leads to human flourishing. And it's because I love you and I love everyone and I want the best for them. Well, you say that because you're a racist oppressor. You say, well, I disagree. It's because you're a narcissist. <laughs> well, I don't see it the way you do. It's because of your privilege. Okay, wait a minute, let me, let me write this down here. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so, okay, so, so can we talk about Jesus? Because I, I think Jesus is really the most helpful. Oh, so you're, you're an intolerant religious bigot who thinks that only Jesus leads to salvation. Yes, I do. I, I, because I read that in the Bible. Oh, well, that's a, an outdated, antiquated, oppressive book that has created Western culture that is an abysmal failure and needs to be torn down and replaced. Actually, it's not a Western book, it's an Eastern book. It's not a hundred years old, it's thousands of years old. In fact, at the beginning, there's only two people and, <laughs> and they were a man and a woman. 
and they got married. And so we say, Pastor Mark, where did you learn all this? I just checked my Facebook before the sermon. <laughs> Our priorities should be God's priorities and God's priorities are people. Because you know what? You're not gonna take your house. You're not gonna take your car. I know you love your pool, especially this time of year, but you're not gonna take your pool into the kingdom of God, but people will go into the kingdom of God. I'm not against possessions, but we do live in Scottsdale, Arizona. You need to be more concerned about people than what car you drive. You need to be more concerned about people than cost per square foot of your real estate. You need to be more concerned about people than your 401k or your 403b. You need to be more concerned about people than whose name is on your underwear, okay? Because at the end of the day, everything you have is kindling. Some of it's nicer kindling than others. Some of you are like, I have Ikea furniture. I can't wait till they burn that. Okay, great. That's great. You put it together with a tool like a monkey on an organ grinder. Like we're praying for you. Some of you are like, but I bought really handmade custom kindling. Thank you. It's all still gonna burn. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy the things that you have in your life, but I'm saying that the most precious parts of your life are the people in your life. Those who deny truth, they don't deal with reality. So even today, things like, well, we don't need police officers. You're denying the truth and you're not dealing with reality. You're not dealing with reality. If I told you, I am a uh, young Asian woman, okay, what would you say? No, you're not. But if I tell you I'm a woman, you would say, okay, well, we're okay with that. What if I'm a woman in my heart? What if I'm an Asian in my heart? <laughs> see, now I got, see, this wasn't funny, but this was. I'm young in my heart. <laughs> okay, see, that's really funny, okay? If I told you I'm a young Asian woman, you would say, that's not true because it doesn't correspond with reality. And if I say, but I'm a woman in my heart, you'd say, well, that's your reality. We accept your reality. That's the suppression of the truth. Just so you know, I'm not young, Asian, or a woman. <laughs> if so, pray for that gal. She's had a rough life, right? <laughs> and so what we do, we exchange the truth for the lie and we don't deal with reality. We now call this America. So here's what we're gonna do. I've done a lot of talking. This is now where we have you participate in this dialogue and we're going to make fun of religious people. Um, out of love, because religious people take themselves too seriously and we're gonna minister to them by making fun of them. Okay, so what would be some of the things today that you have been told, if you do this, you're varsity for Jesus. Speaking, Speak, yabba dabba do, I speak in tongues, how about you? Are you varsity? Are you varsity? Okay, is it okay to speak in tongues? Yes, but if you don't love Jesus, it doesn't matter. Have you been baptized? And then there's a lot of fine print. Were you baptized as a baby or an adult? Were you baptized by immersion or sprinkling? Did your, did your pastor have a squirt gun? That didn't count. Were you one of those lazy people that got baptized in a hot tub? That does not count. 
were you baptized by a pastor or just some random believer? Were you baptized in the name of Jesus or the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Right? You're like, I, look, I don't know, man. I got wet and I said, yay, Jesus. I, 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 because <laughs> like, it's not just that you did it, you did it the right way, which is our way and their way is the wrong way. So even when they do it, they don't do it right, so they're wrong. You know that it's demonic when governments murder children. So you say, Pastor Mark, that's political. No, that's biblical. God gives life and when government takes innocent human child life, it is demonic and offense to God. So what about choice? If there is a demon named choice, I would encourage you not to worship it. They tried to murder Jesus as a baby through governmental funding, raised by taxes from his parents. Connect the dots, go register so you could pay your taxes so we could murder your baby. And they try to kill Jesus and they want his parents to pay for it with the tax dollars. All who hate me love death. What do you mean they love death? They have parades for it. They have holidays for it. They have campaigns for it. They love it. That means they hate him because he's the living God. Some of you are very offended. Like, I'm very offended. It's because you got to get out of the womb so you could be offended. Well, that's not how I would vote. That's because you got out of the womb, so you get to vote. Congratulations. Okay. Well, what about women, Pastor Mark? Half the people we murder are girls. I'm not sure how that is liberation. Okay, I'll just hold my ground. Okay. What he's saying is Jesus' family had to flee to another country. What translation? First of all, first of all, do you have a Bible? You do? Well, what translation? What translation? King James. I talked to a guy recently, he's like, I only read the King James. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, why? He's like, well, I did research and the other are satanic versions. Research? Did you watch a YouTube video from a conspiracy theorist? Because <laughs> if that's research, then when I put a Pop-Tart in a toaster, that makes me a chef. That's what that is. <laughs> Did he quote the New International Version? <laughs> I think it's becoming a cult. <laughs> Did he quote the message? That's, that's not even a translation, that's a paraphrase. I keep waiting for the message only people. I keep waiting for those people. Yeah, we're message only. Everything else is a satanic version. And then there's the big Bible and the little Bible people. Every once in a while, they'll send me an email. They're like, your Bible seems a little little. I'm like, really? They judge the size of the Bible. It's not like, well, I got, my, my Bible's as big as me. There you go, varsity, right? What other things do we use? What's that? What denomination are you in? <laughs> all, the denomination, all the people that are in denominations are like, oh, I'm never coming back. This is just not working. Are you in this denomination or that denomination? Because these are the good guys and those are the bad guys. Here's what I'll tell you. There's good guys and bad guys in all the denominations. I'll just tell you that. 
So the people are like, what denomination? You know, like, we're not, a, we're, we're interdenominational, non-denominational, post-denominational, gladly-ish denominational. There we are. That's clearly our team. They're like, we're on team Jesus. Like, why are you? Are you Presbyterian? A little bit. <laughs> Baptist? Uh, nah. How about Pentecostal? Whoop, whoop. Okay, you know, here, here's, here. we like Jesus. We believe the Bible. Everybody who likes Jesus, believes the Bible, is on team Jesus. That's our team. You wanna see a full-blown octagon war to the death between two gladiators? In this corner, we have homeschool mom. She has a Latin trivium curriculum. She quotes dead people. She churns butter. She does art projects. She has a bun in her hair and she takes no guff. In this corner, we have homeschool mom. She works full time. She drinks margaritas. She needs a day off. They are... <laughs> They are going to talk about schooling the children. Ding, ding, and it's a fight to the death. <laughs> None of the moms think that's funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> the Bible has, here's the big idea. The Bible has principles and methods. Here's a little secret. There is a difference between God's principles and our methods. Is it okay if we have our methods? Yeah, but what we can't, Pretend is that our methods are God's principles. And the Bible uses the word hypocrite. It's an ancient Greek word that was taken from drama and theater. So the way it would work in ancient Greek drama and theater, one actor or actress would play multiple roles during the course of a play. So they'd go off stage, they'd grab a mask, they would come on and they would play their role. And then they would exit the stage, they'd get their next mask and they would put it on and they would come on the stage and they would play their role. And through the course of the play, one actor or actress would play multiple characters and roles, but they never revealed who they truly were. That's a hypocrite. Oh, my Christian friends are watching, praise the Lord. Oh, I'm with my non-Christian friends, pour me a drink. These are my going to church clothes. And these are my going to club clothes and they're not the same size as my going to church clothes, <laughs> right? My underwear became my outerwear. This is what happens. And what that is, that is hypocrisy because we are to be the same people all the time. How many of you, you don't even think that coveting is a sin? We call it social media. We call it marketing. We call it advertising. We call it impulse buying. Our whole economy is built on coveting, just so you know that. It's all jealousy. We're all on social media. Oh, look at them. Oh, they're skinny. Oh, I hate them. Oh, look at their kids. Their kids are nice. My kids are terrible. I, I hate them. They got a new car, I got an old car. Their husband, oh, he's got a six pack. My husband has a cooler. I hate them, okay? I just tell you what I'm thinking. But this is where the longer you're on social media, the more miserable you are because you start comparing your life to other people's lives. You start coveting their life. And that is the death of contentment. Some years ago, I'll give you a 
little story. We were driving in the car, kids in the back. Uh, we were three rows deep. We rolled deep, five kids. Um, we're in the Suburban. I think it was Hank the Tank. Kids always name their cars. Your kids do that? Uh, th then you can't sell it. You're like, we gotta, that's, that's, <laughs> no, that, that's part of the family. So we're driving to Hank the Tank, and uh, kids are in the back. Some of them are in the car seats. We drive by a quote-unquote church, old church building. It's got a big, huge rainbow flag out front. It says, God is still speaking. One of the kids in the back seat's like, Dad, what's that sign mean? Oh boy, oh boy. Well, they believe that what God said in the Bible is no longer true, that God has changed his mind and now he's saying things that contradict what he used to say. So we need to listen to their teachers instead of the Bible. And that when God speaks of gender, sexuality and marriage, he's changed his mind. One of the kids said, well, then it's not a church. How come they get to still call themselves a church? Little kid, real insightful. I said, yeah, that's the problem. You can just put church on the name. They said, well, why do they put church on the name? Because it deceives people. We've all got a little attorney. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick up for you, okay? And so he comes out and what he says is, oh, this, you're, you're, you're not, there's people worse than you. This is what we always do. We find someone worse than us and we become friends with them so we look better, okay? <laughs> and if you're like, I don't have a friend like that, I hate to tell you, you're that friend. I hate to tell you. <laughs> You're that friend. And when we do something really bad, we always just last resort, pull out the Hitler card. At least I'm not Hitler. Well, congratulations. Yeah, you get a gold star on the moral chart. You're better than Hitler. Uh, gosh, you know, that, that's like a high jump. It's this high. You're like, oh I, oh, I made it. Okay, so Martin Luther said that this is the issue on which the church stands or falls. He said, this is it. And just to give you an analogy, there is two big theological words. I'm a, I'm a nerd, I wrote a systematic theology, I love to study. One is called monergism, the other is called synergism. I'll try to simplify it for you. Synergism is this concept that you and God work together for your salvation. That God does his part, you do your part, okay? Synergism is where you and God partner together, you work together. Monergism is where God saves you, he does all the work. Give you an analogy. It says in Isaiah, the question is asked, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Okay, so it's like God's arm reached down. So I'll give you an analogy when my kids were little. We've got five kids, three boys, two girls. Um, love them with all my heart. But when they were little, the boys were all suicidal. Little boys are all suicidal. If you don't believe that, it's because you've never had a boy. Um, and so what would happen was, anytime we get near a pool, the boys would run and jump. They don't, they don't know how to swim. And so they're running, ha ha, it was fine when I had one, get to two, you get to three, now you're on zone defense. You're like, I can't, one of you's in trouble. You know, I got three boys. So there was one occasion, I'll never forget, one of our sons ran, just jumped in, clothes, shoes, the whole thing, the whole thing, okay? And he's going under. I could have, now synergism would have said, I reach out my hand, I'm like, son, grab my hand. If you do that, you're a horrible parent. That's what you are. You're like, I was gonna save them, but they didn't reach high enough. <laughs> like, like, you know what I did? It wasn't synergism, me reaching down, them reaching up. You know what it was? What did I do? I reached down and I grabbed them and I pulled them out of the water. And you know what they didn't do? Argue with me about me overriding their free will. That's not what they did. <laughs> 
is more important than your free will is my love for you. So you chose death, free will. I chose no, free will. All right, we both exercised it. That's how God saved you. How many of you, that's your story. You're like, I was going under and God just grabbed me. Amen. Amen. And if you know Jesus, ultimately that is your story. So don't even tell your story like, when I found God. Really, was God lost? Was God lost? God's like, what the heck? I don't know where I am. My battery died. I can't find my way out. Good thing Tony found me. That's not how this works. I'll just read something. From the Black Lives Matter co-founders, we are trained what? Here's what I know. A lot of people have said things about me. There's whole websites written against me. People have devoted their lives to attacking and criticizing me. The best way to know what someone believes is just let them tell you, okay? We, so this is telling you who they are. Say, my name is Mark and I believe in the Bible and I trust Jesus. Hey, that's me, that's who I am. We are trained Marxists. We actually do have an ideological frame. What is that? It's cultural Marxism. The founders, I didn't name them, in particular are trained organizers. We are trained what? Marxists. We are super versed in ideological theories. Our goal is to get Trump out. Okay. First Peter, honor the emperor. Doesn't mean you agree with them. It doesn't mean you can't run against them. It doesn't mean you can't try and remove them from office. You just do so in a way that's honorable. So what happens here is there are two very dominant political ideologies that have become hashtags. Okay. My goal now is to make everyone uncomfortable because I believe in equality. <laughs> Black Lives Matter, make America great again. Okay. As messages, would you agree? They're both pretty good. So you know what, that's good and that's good. I mean, I do believe, especially if I'm seeing abuse, and the taking of innocent human life, that those lives matter. And America kind of sucks right now. Could we make it better? Amen? I mean, can we all vote for that? Like, can we love these people and fix this broken country? The messages are fine, but behind them are entire movements. And as soon as you state the message, you've connected yourself to the movement, which is why if I was wearing either of those hats, we would need turnbuckles in the auditorium and this would turn into WWE Smackdown. That's what would happen. <laughs> Let me read the next one. If you wanna know what I believe, if you go to, well, let's say our church, thetrinitychurch.com, and you click on about or belief, there is a doctrinal statement that I wrote that tells you exactly what I believe. If you go to this website and click on about, they have their mission statement, their doctrinal statement. They tell you what they're about, okay? And this is important because again, I've been lied about a lot. So let me just put out what I believe. Let me allow others to have that same right. I'm not gonna get some out of context statement that doesn't apply and then construct another context and then misappropriate it. I'll just click on your site and read it. We make space for transgender brothers and sisters, cultural Marxism applied to gender. Brothers and sisters, that's Bible language. We make space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead, dismantle, transfer power. 
We do the work required to dismantle cisgender. If you don't know what that is, that's male and female. God gave you a gender. If you don't feel like you are that gender, then God the creator made a mistake and you have the right to recreate yourself in the gender of your own choosing. And uplift black trans folks. Well, why that? Because of intersectionality more categories. Also one of the co-founders is married to a black trans woman, especially black trans women. We build a space, that's an institution that is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. Men loving, leading, like Christ, their families. We dismantle, I told you that cultural Marxism was about what? Dismantling institutions. We dismantle the patriarchal practice, that means men leading their families, that requires mothers to work double shifts so they can mother in private even as they participate in public justice work. What it's saying is there's a lot of kids that don't have a dad, therefore the government needs to be the dad and provide more for mom so she has time for social justice work. My answer would be, how about we fix the dads? How about we fix the dads? Because here's what I can tell you, every sociological study will tell you that the best environment for a child is with their biological mother and father going to church, reading the Bible and praying. Bradford Wilcox, the leading sociologist on marriage and family in America, he's at the University of Virginia. He has proven with the largest data analysis and survey in the history of our country, that the best environment is the one that God created, a man, and a woman, get married, have a baby, worship God and raise the baby. It's not perfect. My parents were not perfect. I'm not a perfect parent, but it's the best, it's the best. And what happens is God gives certain responsibilities to men. And if we transfer those to government, we hurt women and children. Furthermore, we go bankrupt because if you keep enlarging the government to replace the man and the man is disincentivized to work to meet the needs of his family because he's not responsible for his family, eventually you run out of people to tax. We disrupt the Western prescribed what? What's it say? You know, nuclear family. Our mission statement is not to have mothers and fathers and families. We foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative, that's male, female thinking, or rather the belief that in all the world are heterosexual unless, and you can't use gender pronouns, so we do that. She, he, or they disclose otherwise. So here's where we find ourselves. We have to ask this question, is there a problem? Could we do better in issues of race and gender? And is cultural Marxism the best solution? And what you are left with is some people see these as being presented as connected issues. So if you say there's a problem, you have to accept the solution. Therefore, some people will feel pressured to deny that there is a problem because they don't like the solution. 
Other people who will accept that there is a problem will then also accept the solution. So basically, the options right now, and many of you are feeling this, let me put language to it. You got two choices. Are you a racist or a Marxist? And as a Christian, how many of you go, I don't like those options. Everyone trusts in someone and everyone else dies and no one else defeated death. Buddhas, dead, having a bad day. Krishnas, dead, having a bad day. Muhammad's, dead, having a bad day. Give me some other leaders that people treated as saviors and heroes. Just name them. Joseph Smith, Smith, dead, having a terrible day. (laughs) Terrible day. Earlier, somebody said Joseph Smith, a kid from Mesa, um, dead. George Washington seemed like a decent guy, dead. Abraham Lincoln was helpful, dead. Reagan, I miss him, dead. L. Ron Hubbard, crazy, dead, having a crazy bad day. Here's what I'm telling you. Everyone's looking for a savior. And even the best human beings are bad saviors. COVID is like the kid brother that gets blamed for everything. It just is. I went to order a salad recently. I don't have salad, COVID. How many salads have COVID? Like, I don't understand. Like. I, I see the death count, but not the salad death count. Like, is it, is it, is it morphed over to salads? I mean, like, we ordered a garage door for the church. It's 10 weeks late. It just showed up. They said, sorry, COVID. When did garage doors get COVID? Like COVID is the kid brother getting blamed for everything. And what you see is a lack of access. How many of you, school was closed, church was closed, restaurant closed, business closed, water slide park closed, anything that doesn't stink closed. Government's still open. Okay, so, (laughs) like, could we reverse this? Could we shut down the government and open up the water slide park, please? (laughs) Pastor Mark, that's not nice. No, that's true. (laughs) And this is what we're seeing right now in our country. We're seeing ultimately, hey, you know what the problem is? Cops. (laughs) Cops are, they're a real lid. Let's defund the police. And my point is most cops are good. There's a few bad ones, just like most teachers are good. And there's a few bad ones. So I don't think we should defund the cops or the teachers. Okay, throw it out there. So then it's okay, let's let's have less police because the criminals feel limited. Okay, so so while we're at it, let's decriminalize weed. No big deal. Well, the problem is drug dealers don't go out of business. They're like, oh, shucky, Tom. You know, they're selling weed in the state now. We're unemployed. Now we gotta go get jobs. No, what they do is they get a harder product, heroin, meth. Heroin and meth. They don't start selling vitamins. So now we defund the police, we decriminalize drug use. Now we have more crime and now we have harder drug use. Now we have mental illness. Now we have drug addiction. Now we have homelessness. And then we realize that we can't keep up with all of the criminal activity. So now what we do, we decriminalize misdemeanors. 
we say that those aren't crimes anymore. And if you live in a world where you're like, you know what I want? Less authority, less laws, less consequences, and I want more rebellion. If you've ever flushed a toilet, you know how this works, okay? You flush, what happens? It stinks and it goes down. That's what happens to a world that denies God and his laws. It stinks and it just goes down. It doesn't go up. Men need to stop thinking about having a good time and they need to start thinking about leaving a good legacy. When Adam blew it, he probably wasn't thinking that thousands of years later, we'd all be dealing with his decision. Hundreds, thousands of years from now, there will be people with your last name, men, who are living under the decisions you've made. They are living where you moved. They are marrying people that you allowed them to marry. They are worshiping the God that you taught them to worship. They are building the relationships that you've encouraged them to build. They are architecting the families that you have modeled for them to architect. And a lot of guys are like, I just don't do responsibility. Well, then you do the demonic. Those are your choices. You do responsibility or you do the demonic. And I believe I've said this for 25 years, I get hammered like a nail on it, but men are like trucks and they drive straighter with a load. You dump some responsibility on a man and it tends to straighten him out. You take the responsibility off a man, he's like a two wheel drive in the snow. Eventually he's in the ditch. That's how men are. And what God is doing here is he's laying an extra additional burden on men. And if you're a man and you hear this, you're like, I read the Bible, it means I'm the boss. Well, you read it wrong. It means you're responsible. It doesn't mean you get to boss people around. It doesn't mean you get to abdicate responsibility. It doesn't mean you get to be domineering, harsh or overbearing. It means you need to, to quote 1 Corinthians, which is a very offensive verse, act like men. And we wonder why we have problems because God did not tell us to live under the dominion of government, but to have husbands and fathers be heads of homes to love and protect women and children. That's our role and responsibility. Now, let me say this. Some of you guys will hear this and be like, I don't agree. Well, you're wrong, okay? And some of you guys will say, this isn't my personality. Then repent of your freaking personality, okay? Because at the end of the day, the well-being of your family is your responsibility. And Adam failed in his responsibility and the whole human family has suffered since. Did you read Paul? You're gonna be very offended. He's gonna say some stuff. You're gonna be like, that's very offensive. My inner child just got a spanking. You're gonna feel it. Okay, you're gonna feel it. Let me give you some examples. Paul's gonna say very soon that we're all bad sinners. So be like, not me. I'm a good person. My mom said, I have a good heart. Your mom's a false prophet. <laughs> She's a liar. <laughs> In a few weeks, probably when Facebook bans me, I'm gonna be in Romans one. And it, it, has, it has these, these crazy ideas like male and female. Okay, we're, and you're like, no, it's a spectrum. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Boy, girl, boy, girl. And it says that sex is for marriage. Marriage is for a boy and a girl. <laughs> crazy ideas, I know, wacky. And it's gonna talk about 
all kinds of gender issues and sexual issues and gender confusion and transgenderism. It's just an old book, it doesn't relate to us. <laughs> yeah, it does. And what's gonna happen is you're gonna be very offended by it, okay? And, and some of you, you single guys, here's what I want you to do. Bring your girlfriend so I can make her your ex-girlfriend. That's where we're going in Romans one, okay? So now when we get there, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna read it and you're gonna think it's wrong. You know what? You're wrong. That's so offensive and insightful, very helpful. So when you read Paul, either he's wrong or you're wrong. You're wrong. And I know right now on social media, there's some 22 year old guy at his mom's house, borrowing the internet she paid for, typing, I disagree. You don't count. You are not Paul. You're not that smart. I'm gonna tell your mom to change the password to the internet so you can stop saying things. God not only changes your relationship with him, he changes your nature and that changes your desires. This is the secret of the Christian life that the non-Christian has no understanding of. The person without the spirit finds no appetite for the things of the spirit. If you go to your friends, you're like, would you like to be a virgin till married and not look at porno and watch your mouth and say you're sorry and give 10% of your income away? Answer? No, no. Those are all the things I don't want to do. All of them. I would like to spend that 10% on drinks and naughty people. That's what I would like to do. When God changes your desires, now your desires are the Spirit's desires and that helps you to walk in newness of life. You're either gonna be ashamed of the gospel or ashamed of your behavior because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the new Lord and commands and demands change in the behavior. So rather than celebrate, it's better to repent. And rather than being ashamed of Jesus, it's good to be ashamed of who we are and what we do, okay? So I would just ask you, if you've met Jesus, there are some things that you look back, can we just be honest? You're like, I'm just ashamed of that. I should have never posted a picture of myself in a bikini on Instagram. I'm a grandfather. <laughs> Shouldn't have done The key is to sneak it in. That's the key. It's the surprise element. <laughs> and we just found the religious people. And we just did. I'm going on Facebook and talking about that. And I, I look, I, I'm just gonna say things I shouldn't because I'm gonna go to Montana. I'm gonna go on vacation. But right now, everybody's like, you're, I know that there are issues. I know that there's problems. I know that there's health. And I know that whether or not you wear a mask, you're gonna die. Okay? And I, I, know, I, know, I know when you stand before Jesus, it's not masks go to heaven and non-masks go to hell. I know, that's not, I know that it may, it may be a help, but there is a day where it's not that helpful. And ultimately we need to keep the church open. We need to tell people about Jesus. We need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to stir one another up to faith and good deeds. 
And what Peter is saying is things get worse. You need to get better. As things get darker, we need to shine brighter. And as this whole world is filled with scoffing, the church needs to be filled with stirring. That's what he's saying. The Christian needs to stay on message. The Christian needs to stay on message. The message is Jesus Christ, God, become a man, live without sin, died in your place for your sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. His body went into the grave. His body then rose from the grave. He has ascended into heaven. He is today alive and well, seated in glory, coming again to judge the living and the dead. That's the message. And everybody wants to change the message. Pastor Mark, let's talk about race. Great, let's talk about Jesus because every race needs Jesus. Well, Pastor Mark, let's talk about masks. Great, let's talk about Jesus because the people with the masks and the people without the masks, they all need Jesus. Hey, Pastor Mark, let's talk about politics. Great, let's talk about Jesus because the Democrats and the Republicans need Jesus. Hey, Pastor Mark, let's, let's talk about the economy. Great, let's talk about Jesus because the poor and the rich need Jesus. Hey, Pastor Mark, let's talk about the vaccine. Okay, great. Let's talk about Jesus because whether or not we get a vaccine and whether or not we take a vaccine, we're all going to die and we need Jesus. 